0: It's time for Decal Download, your source for news and information from the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning. We'll hear from Commissioner Amy M. Jacobs and special guests to give you an update on all things Decal. This is Decal Download. Downloading now.
1: If you're a parent or guardian of a newborn baby, here's an important question for you. How much do you talk to your baby? Research shows that the more words you speak, sing, or read to your baby has an impact on how fast your child will learn to speak and read. And, Commissioner, with our emphasis on infants and toddlers here in Georgia, DECAL is involved in something called Project LITTLE for lifting infants and toddlers through language-rich environments.
2: Yes, that's a (laughs) mouthful, but Project Little isn't. It's one of my favorite projects that DECAL um, just began about two years ago in response to um, a lot of research that we had done, a lot of emphasis, obviously, in Georgia on reading and knowing that the earlier that you start, the better. And so how do we support child care providers in doing that?
1: I am fascinated in this, even just putting together some of the questions for this. My daughters are in their 20s now, so we talk a lot. They they picked up on that pretty early and kept going. But today we're talking to younger parents, and uh, you've got newborns. I think it's going to be interesting. Um, so here to talk about Project Little and the fascinating work being done Uh, As we speak, is Nicole Wilson, Infant Toddler Program Manager here at DECAL, and our special guest, Bobby Dent, Executive Director for the Phoenix School in Decatur. Ladies, welcome to the program.
0: Hi. Hi. Thanks for having us.
1: Great to have you guys here. We like to get background on our guest. uh, And Nicole, how long have you been with DECAL? What were you doing before joining the agency?
0: So I've been here at DECAL, it'll be three years next month. Um, prior to this, I worked in early intervention. I was the early intervention coordinator at the Clayton County Board of Health. And through the years, I've done a lot in early intervention, and I've also um, taught uh, special education for a couple of years, and I've also taught in child care.
1: Mm, okay. We often find out that members of our team have that kind of background. Does that help you in your current role?
0: Um, yeah, it actually does. Um, I think having um, the program management side in, in different roles, and then also seeing the kids so I can relate to the teachers we work with. I was a teacher, Man, it, it was a while ago, <laughs> but I was a teacher in an infant room at one time. Um, so it, it helps to be able to, to relate to, and build those relationships with the people yeah. I work with. I
1: was gonna say, once you've earned your stripes in that environment, I think mm-hmm. you also earn the respect of the people that are still doing it. So I exactly. think that's great. Well, that's great. Bobby, um, Executive Director of the Phoenix School, how long have you been there?
3: I have been there for six years, actually. Um, and like Nicole, my background's in education as well. I was an elementary school teacher um, prior to that. I was a recycling education coordinator. Uh, and then um, I promoted recycling programs in um, school districts and municipalities. And then I did one stint for a while um, uh, in nonprofits and public relations. Oh, okay. So, um, but the bulk of my life has been in education. when capacity or the other.
1: You may, in fact, be the first recycling educator. Yes. I know, educator, <laughs> educator. I know I've isn't ever that?
3: I, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it was a lot of fun, though. Um, but uh, again, it was something where you promote sustainability practices and um, local school districts so Mm -hmm. that was a lot of fun but again it it was education you know my sons always tease me you can't get away from education can you mom right it's like no i can't (laughs)
1: let me ask you an unrelated question though to recycling has it caught on or is it top of mind now
3: i i do believe so yes Uh, i think for the most part and parents especially Mm -hmm. parents are always concerned about sustainability practices Mm -hmm. in schools
1: and we lead by example we do. So, we definitely especially do. Especially with our children. If they see us just tossing it anywhere, then that's. Absolutely.
3: One thing. They point it out. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they do. Sometimes I think I can surreptitiously go ahead and throw something away, and my sons will be like, Ma, right. the recycling bin's right around the corner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Call you on. I love it. That's great.
2: So I've heard the comparison if a healthy diet helps grow healthy babies, then more words grow healthy brains. So from your perspectives, and either of you can pick this question up, why is early language development, and I'm gonna also say responsive caregiving and quality relationships, uh, so important?
0: Well, I would say that, you know, the brain grows the most in those first three years of life. So um, it's kind of critical that you are giving the brain what it needs to grow. And what it needs are those relationships. And those responsive interactions. Um, those interactions between adults and children help build those neural pathways in the brain. So, without them, you, you know, you don't get what you need later in life. Mm-hmm. Those build the foundation for that.
3: Mm-hmm. And, yes, and we've seen actually, um, as we were working on this project for the last two years, we've seen those little Moments, those quality moments where all of a sudden you can actually, I I honestly believe this, their eyes sparkle when they have those interactions. Someone's paying attention to me, even in the infant classroom. Mm -hmm. And they they will definitely, even if you're cooing back and forth, it's that back and forth interaction. And you do, you develop this um, confidence in a little child.
1: Mm -hmm. And we'll probably clarify this more as we go along, but are we talking about even with newborns, should I be talking as if I'm talking to an adult
3: Absolutely. Okay. Uh, yeah you really absolutely. Cuz we
1: tend to go with with small children and pets. I tend to go into this different voice and and different style of talking, but really that's not the best thing to do. I should be talking you're intelligently.
3: You're, yes, you're, it's a,
0: a relationship building back and forth. I don't know if, Mikkel, do you feel the same way? It is. I mean, and the children are always listening. I mean, I, I have two kids of my own, and I talked to them from the moment I knew I was pregnant. And I, I read to them from the moment I knew I was pregnant. Wow. And I just knew that they were listening. Now, mm-hmm. could they understand exactly what I was saying? No, but they were getting to know my voice and know that I was somebody important mm-hmm. to them. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's key.
1: I love that. So one of the goals here is to have children reading on grade level later in life. But early language development also helps young children follow instructions and express their feelings when they get frustrated. Is that correct, part of the, part of the effort?
0: Well, yeah, like I said, they're always listening. And that receptive language builds first. Um, so if you're, you know, oftentimes you hear people say to kids, well, use your words. Well, they don't have any words to use unless you give them to them. So as you're talking to them and you're labeling and naming things in their environment and just talking through your day and saying what you're doing, I'm going to wash the dishes, oh, I'm changing your diaper or whatever, they're learning what you're doing so then they're picking up those words to be able to say it back. And the same thing exists when you're talking about emotions and feelings. Mm-hmm. You know, kids, they just like adults, they experience a range of emotions. And, you know, in the English language, there are tons of words to describe how you feel. So unless you give them those words, they can't tell you that they're mad, they're sad, because they don't know the word.
1: Right.
3: No. Right.
0: And then that's when you have the temper tantrums and they're
3: having, they, they can't self-regulate. Mm-hmm. Um, but once they're able to put a word to their emotions, then they can let someone know how they're feeling. And um, that really does help. And it helps in a classroom.
1: So, behavior maybe management. You're reading a book and there's a character that's sad. We're going to talk about that. Right. Okay.
2: Well, we all know how important reading is. But I would say how you read the story, and most importantly, in my opinion, how you interact with the child, is even more important. What would your response be to that?
0: Um, definitely. I think it's. You could read the story from beginning to end, and it would kind of be like stereo instructions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they still make those, but <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, it'd be like that. It, it, there's no meaning behind it. Right. So if you take the time and slow down and point to the things on the mm-hmm. page and and you know show out that this little boy right here, you know, what is he? How's he feeling? Mm-hmm. He's sad, or or show up that this is a dump truck. If they don't know what that is, and take the time to explain what these words mean you'll get so much more meaning and comprehension from the story as opposed to just saying, okay, I'm done, you know? Right. Right.
3: And it's about connections too. You know, children can relate to a story and it can be the same story. And sometimes I tell teachers, you know what? that's okay. It's the same story, but they're making those connections and mm. they're always getting something new out of that story mm-hmm. and make it interesting. You know, um, even stereo instructions, if you, you know, change <laughs> your inflection a little bit, mm-hmm. that can even be interesting. So, um, but yeah, it's, uh, and repetition is fine because they're constantly making more and more connections.
1: You can always update to different appliances. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <mall>. right, right. <laughs> exactly. Be, beyond the stereo. Maybe. To the dishwasher. Right, there you go. You got an Alexa or, <laughs> you know, something like that. I think this is really interesting and I think what we're trying to say is it shouldn't be like a one-way monologue on the part of the parent but really you could truly have a dialogue even with young children.
0: Yeah definitely Um, and and it's not even you don't even have to read the words on the page. Hmm you can make up your own story and say whatever you want as long Mm -hmm. as you're engaged and paying attention to what that child is paying attention to in the book so if they decide they want to turn the page it's okay that they're turning the page go to the next page Mm -hmm. see what adventure you might find on that page i think the funny thing is that you know we talk about how it builds that relationship for the kid but when you really think about if you think back to the interactions that you had when you were little or even with your own kids I know the book that I'm talking about that I read when I was pregnant is still at my house and my kids 15 and 11 Uh because it built, you know, that was part of our relationship. And I hold on to that, especially now that they don't want to sit in my lap (laughs) and read with me anymore.
1: So I'm curious, what was the book?
0: Um, um, That book is... Oh, you put me on put the spot. Put
1: you on the spot. <laughs> Sorry. You can think about it's, it when you um, come back. But.
0: Mr. Brown can moo, can you?
1: Oh, yes.
3: Ours was Hop on Pop. Oh, okay. Oh. I remember that. Oh, my goodness. And I read that over and over again. And it was so neat, though, because they knew what was on the next
2: page. Right. right. But yeah. They still wanted me yes. to read it. Yeah. That's great.
1: Yeah. What about your kids?
2: So, um, Put Me in the Zoo and oh, good, night good Night one. Moon.
1: Oh, Good yes. Night Moon. I still
2: have that one memorized. <laughs>
1: The ones I always enjoyed reading as far as like acting out were any of the Dr. Seuss yeah. books. Right. Yeah. And um, my kids could complete the sentence yep. before mm-hmm. they could read because of the rhyming you know, right. pattern. There's
2: a it in my pocket.
1: <laughs> right. But they're also kind of fun and I always felt like Dr. Seuss was writing as much for the parents as mm-hmm. he was for the kids. Yeah. You and know? writing for himself, I think. Right. Thought, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, yeah.
0: They're hilarious. Those Absolutely. all of those books are still at my house. Yeah. Yeah, nope. yeah they'll yeah. never go out of I can't disguise, get rid right? of them because <laughs> right. they're just awesome books. So if any kid comes to my house, we're going to read one of those right. books. Right.
1: The, the other thing that I want to kind of throw out there is, I'm going back to the baby. Let's say we're holding the baby and we're walking around. I tend to do a lot of, look at that kind mm-hmm. of interaction. What, that's a dog. So what's he doing? Where's he going? You know, who is that person over there? Is that effective? in this yes, type of communication? Yes, they're
3: absorbing. Mm-hmm. They, they are absorbing. I mean, even if they cannot speak to you. I, I, when I visit the infant classroom, um, they oh, oh, that's, that's the one that loves to point things out with me. Mm-hmm. So, the, child, the little one will crawl up or toddle right up and point to that, and I say, "Yes, that's right. That's that's a little windmill in the classroom, or that's a flower, that's a butterfly." And constantly, that constant pointing back and forth, and little eyes light up. Right. It's y- you know that they are making those connections mm-hmm. all the time, and as and as Nicole said, they're storing those words. Mm-hmm. It's a little filing cabinet, you right. know. And there's there's Miss Bobby right yeah. there. I'm going to pull out all the things
2: I remember from Miss Bobby in the little filing cabinet.
1: Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I love great. it.
2: So in response to everything we know about reading and responsive caregiving and the number of words a, a child hears, DECAL partnered with the Governor's Office of Student Achievement and the Deal Center for Early Language and Literacy in providing these special grants, what we call Project Little. How does this work, Nicole?
0: So it's a competitive grant, um, so programs apply, you have to be a quality rated two or three star program to apply and you also have to have a pre-K program. Um, So they apply and the applications are scored and then we select them. So we have programs from all over the state. Um, that are participating in our project. And with that, they receive, um, it's a professional development grant at its core. So they receive um, lots of professional development um, trainings. Um, They get on-site coaching and support from an infant-toddler specialist. Um, We have professional learning communities. So it's really um, about building the relationships among themselves as a, as a as a center, because oftentimes as a teacher, you're kind of isolated in your room. So it's a way to bring them all together and build those relationships as they're learning these new skills and seeing that parallel process of how they can then apply that to the children. Mm -hmm.
1: How many classrooms involved?
0: So um, we currently have 61 centers um, and there are 215 classrooms right now. Oh wow. So it's a a two year project, so Mm -hmm. we have um, certain that are in that first year. Um, there are 21 centers that are in the in the second in their second year and there are 40 centers coming on that just came on this month.
1: Wow it's larger than I thought. The scope of that is great.
0: Yeah it keeps growing. It, is it going to be an ongoing
1: thing or are we on a limited because it is a grant type thing? Do we know?
2: It's going to be ongoing. It is okay. uh, because yep. of the su- the, it's been very successful and I don't know if we'll get to the results that we've seen at the end of the two years, but um, I've been very, very impressed with the success of Project Little and I think it's making an impact for infant and toddlers and for the workforce as well. I noticed Nicole looked
1: at you for that direction. Yes, yeah, she so, did. Yeah. She, didn't yeah. want <laughs> to, she didn't want to speak out of turn. Right. <laughs> no, it
2: was it taken uh, that As one. long as we can write those checks, yes, absolutely. Because I think it's, I mean, we have the data to back it up that it's working. Mm. It's doing what it was intended. So if I you're agree. listening and
1: yeah. you want to be a part of it, then it sounds like there might be that opportunity. Bobby says she
2: believes it. So. I do. Yeah, yeah. I do. <laughs> Well, there you go. Yeah,
3: we were with the first cohort. Yes.
2: So, yeah, yeah. one great. of the initial schools, and we have seen a difference. That's fantastic to hear. That's great. So this program provides support to infant and toddler teachers, not only through our own infant and toddler specialists here at DECAL, but also through the hiring of an on-site peer coach. What is the significance of that peer coach?
0: Well, from our standpoint, we wanted to, knowing that the time that a program could participate was limited, we wanted to be able to leave um, the structure behind mm-hmm. and have somebody in place who could continue to coach those um, those teachers and help support the center to um, Maintain those improved teaching practices,
1: and from the field, does that work? It does okay.
0: actually, and it has sustained the
3: program. Um, um, our uh, peer coach, Ms. Tamika Johnson, um, has been able to continue what we have learned, the practices that we have learned, um, and um, and continue actually. If, coach uh, the classrooms um, through observations, uh, through uh, many um, professional learning communities, um, uh, you know with any questions they have um, and and questions for parents as well. Mm -hmm. Um, It made a big impact on our parents as well.
1: We've got a lot of folks involved with us under the training includes curriculum from the Rollins Center for Language and Literacy, Cox Campus, uh sessions on the power of language talk with me read with me and talk with me uh baby um are you finding uh, bobby that the resources are plenty at this point or is this something that's new that you're kind of having to create
3: uh the resources are there absolutely and and um, you can definitely you know acquire the resources they're out there and um our peer coach you know has easy access to the resources, and she um, definitely applies them into our daily practice Mm -hmm. um, through lesson planning, uh, again, observations, um, you know, additional trainings, yeah, the the resources are out there and we share them with our parents as well.
1: But this is still, Nicole, a relatively new concept.
0: It is. I mean, so this is going into cohort three um, of the project. And, you know, I'll say as we go, we we take our cues from the field Mm -hmm. and we kind of tweak it to make sure that we're meeting their needs and that it works for them. Um, And I think my guess is that we would continue to do the same thing and, you know, keep tweaking and and making it work. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we recognize that we're not the ones in those centers. They're their centers. So, you know, we have to. Um, be flexible enough to you know figure out how do we make this model work for this center because it doesn't look exactly the same in every center um, Mm -hmm. just because you know everybody's different and every center's Mm -hmm. different but our hope is that we're leaving behind that information.
2: So Bobby you were the first cohort so talk a little bit about your first hand experience with this program at the Phoenix School. It um
3: The first year, uh, it was sort of like getting our feet wet, and and I'm so glad that you're able to provide two-year cohorts Mm -hmm. because I think it takes two years for people to really begin to um, have it run smoothly and for the training to really turn into quality practice. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, So um, uh, we, our teachers have now, it's become almost second nature. To them to develop those uh, language and literacy skills with the children. And um, actually, I've had some teachers even point that out. Um, Recently, we had an inclusion specialist do an observation. Uh, in a classroom. And um, when we had our a meeting with the teacher, myself, and the inclusion specialist afterwards, she goes, you know, I have to tell you, those interactions are just phenomenal in that classroom. And she had no idea that we were part of the little, and uh, this is a true story, had no <laughs> idea we were part of the program. Huh. And I could just see my teacher light up. And she said, well, you know, um, we've, we've, uh, that's, I've, put that onto the little grant you know we've learned a lot and and you know and for that rea- reaffirmation of the fact that we are actually putting it into practice and it is actually working and people are noticing makes a big difference mm-hmm.
1: so people does. know phoenix school is located in decatur yes uh, kind of the oakhurst east lake yes area yes. i think you're two Avenue star east lake <laughs> okay <there> you <laughs> yes are two star quality rated yes yeah george's pre-k program mm-hmm. yes um how are parents responding to Project Little?
3: They actually are sad that it's over with. I, I honestly, this I'm not just saying this because I'm you know on a podcast. Yeah. Um, no, they really are, and some of them have brought that up. They, um, Lena made a big difference, and I, I know we'll probably talk mm-hmm. about that, but um, uh, I think it's because they knew that our teachers were getting some quality training out of this, and some um, professional development opportunities out of this, and um, and they have even remarked that there has been a difference at home with interactions, um, uh, communication, uh, and um, providing those services for our parents, you know, the literature and um, uh, just the um, the notoriety in the, the classroom um, it made a big difference.
1: Mm-hmm. Great transition because we do want to talk about the fact, Nicole, you're collecting data in the traditional ways of the class assessment scoring system surveys, interviews, but there's also, and we're trying to paint a picture of this for our listeners, kind of a high-tech component here where children are wearing small devices like talk pedometers, I've heard them described as, that record interactions with their teachers. Talk about those.
0: Yeah, so um, each program in the um, little project uh, participates in LENA, um, and I believe it's language environment analysis. Um, And so there's these little vests that the the kids wear, uh, of course with parental consent, Um, but they have the vest and the vest has a pocket for the the recorder and it's smaller, the recorder is smaller than your palm Um, and they record on a weekly basis for about 12 weeks. And what that does is the recorder picks up the interactions um, between the child and the teacher. So every child in that classroom has on a recorder um, and it's going to pick up those interactions. Um, and it's so, they call it a, call it a talk pedometer because the thought is it's not picking up any words or conversation. It's mm-hmm. really just picking up the da 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 of the conversation. So the adult said something, they paused the child said something or the child cooed or, mm-hmm. or whatever, and it picks up that. Um, so on a weekly basis, um, the center can then pull down reports, and it will show how many adult words were spoken, and it breaks it down on an hourly basis. Um, it also will show how many of those back-and-forth interactions um, happened. Um, it also will pick up if there's background noise. So if there's a lot of music playing or um construction or, I don't know, the bus went by, you know, that kind of thing, Mm -hmm. where it's loud enough that it would impact the interactions in the classroom. So you can see that, you know, maybe we need to reduce that background noise because the children can hear it all. But what we want them focusing on is that interaction, you know, with the adult. Um, so then the infant-toddler specialists and the peer coach are able to sit down with the teachers and show them their data in real time to say, okay, this is what was going on. So then they can set goals to, you know, maybe talk more at 2 o'clock, you know, after lunch and after naps and maybe the talk went down. So they can be really focused and in tuned on increasing their language during that time. Or it also breaks down, um, each recorder is linked to that specific child. So they can see, well, maybe I talked a whole lot to Johnny, but Mm -hmm. I didn't talk much at all to Sue. So I can, you know, then adjust my practice to make sure that I'm not missing Sue.
1: Mm -hmm. So there's real professional development that comes out of it.
0: Absolutely. And by far, I think
3: Lena and I've mentioned this before, It was probably one of the most impactful parts of the program because it's that the data points Mm -hmm. provided concrete evidence. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when your peer coach and infant-toddler specialist is uh, sitting down with the classroom teachers, um, you know, you're not just saying, oh, I observed this. You can actually show, the data points show that, you know, uh, during this time of the day, there's more interaction than a, a during the other time of the day, mm-hmm. or as Nicole said, you know, we notice that you're um, interacting more with a little Johnny than you are with little Susie. I wonder why that's the case, and uh, and then sometimes because teachers, you know, and during their day they get ca- so caught up with their routines, mm-hmm. some there are times that you don't realize that until you see the data points, mm-hmm. and um, there are those aha moments. Oh, I wonder why I'm doing that. So I think Lena was probably by far. One of the most impactful parts of the
1: program. You know, we talked about the uh, parents' reaction. What about the teachers' reaction? For you at your school,
3: uh, with regard to the whole program, right?
1: And to the specifically to the Lena. Lena.
3: Well, I think that it again. I I would think they would probably agree that was probably one of the most impactful parts mm-hmm. of the program because again, it was the you actually had this concrete data, you know, that you print off this the forms and it shows and it shows graphs and little pie charts and it's not, you know, where it's calculus or anything like that. It's it's very user friendly and, um, and you're able to track and it's uh, literally by the hour. Mm-hmm. And so, um, again, you know, you're able to sit and kind of brainstorm. I wonder why that's the case. What can we do? to um, rectify that situation and improve Mm -hmm. upon that.
1: I'm also curious, has that been a shift for your infant-toddler teachers that maybe at one time saw themselves more as just making sure the children were safe?
3: Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) It really does. And I think um, our infant, toddler teachers truly appreciate that they're being recognized. Mm-hmm. What they do is impactful and they are professionals.
1: It's beyond babysitting. Yeah. It's it is,
3: and I've, I've yeah, I, sometimes I felt like I was beating my head against a brick wall in the past telling them you are not glorified babysitters, you're professionals. Right. Right. And what you're doing is very impactful in these little children's lives. And so now having something like the little program really reinforces the fact that they are being recognized as professionals.
1: Mm-hmm. See, the next time I'm around infants, I'm going to judge myself on the interactions. That's
2: right. You should. I'm
1: a little nervous about it, (laughs) to be quite honest. We're going to give you a
2: lena. (laughs) Especially if they (laughs) record it. Yeah. Yeah. So I have to say that just the initial results and the data that we received from this project, um, the number of words, the conversational turns have increased on all our classrooms, and the quality of the interactions has increased, which is exactly what we were seeing. So um, Nicole has led this project from the beginning, so I have to say kudos to you and your team and for the programs that were came on board with us, but um, we don't have a question about the data and the results, but they're good, and mm-hmm. I'm really proud of that because I don't know that any other states have figured out um, how to work with infant toddler teachers yet, and I think this is a great model.
1: And we're <laughs> able to look at that. I guess <laughs> so, we're able to check that on an ongoing basis. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Okay. Yes.
2: Yeah. So more more information on that, but um, I talk good. about the the results that we've seen so far. Um, And they've been very positive. So, just one more question, though, about parents. So, this is all happening; it's all going great at your school and in your classroom. Then, how do you encourage your parents to continue this Mm -hmm. at home, Bobby? Uh, We have a weekly newsletter,
3: and um, so in our newsletter, we uh, we gave updates throughout the you know last two years, and um, and actually, I think um, as we're talking about continuing this model, um, continuing to share. Uh, various results, um, uh, ongoing assessments with our parents, and also um, various literature, I think, is another good mm-hmm. part of it. And um, we actually, uh, now that the, Lena, uh, the Project Little Grant is over with, we were lucky enough to be awarded the um, SEEDS grant. Mm-hmm. So again, I think tying what we've learned with language and literacy into the new grant and um, continuing to inform our parents of the practices that are going on in the classrooms.
1: That's great. Great. Any other advice for parents that you would uh, have in terms of keeping these interactions going?
3: Read. Read, read, read to your, your children. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, I have a 20-year-old and a 21-year-old <laughs> in college and so I'm a little old school. You know, um, try to get them away from devices and talk. Uh, it's a little old-fashioned, but have those conversations. Mm-hmm. Start when they're little and continue, and you know, and t- until they're in college and even afterwards. You know, conversations are really important. Yeah. And um, and reading is very important. Uh, so, you know, continue those one-on-one interactions.
1: Well, my kids are the same age, and um, I feel like sometimes we fill that vacuum with so many other things. We get right. Nicole's stereo, we turn it on, yeah. uh, you know, we've got the TV going, we've got all these devices right. that prevent us from having productive conversations. And, um Also, knowing more about each other. How sad would it be to be 18 years old and not still know a lot about your mom and dad or your family or the neighbors or whoever? So, uh, great concept. I'm glad we were able to break the news. It's going to continue uh, for a while. Nicole, where can listeners find more information on Project Little?
0: Um, so if you go to the DECAL website, so um, decal.ga.gov slash instructional supports early language and literacy, you'll find information about Project Little.
1: Okay, and if you're a provider and you want more of that same place, you can mm-hmm. go there and get more information. Sounds like uh, we'll be continuing this for a little while, so I think that's uh, exciting. Well, guys, thanks for being with us today. I think it's a great lesson for all of us even those of us that are maybe now getting ready for grandchildren at some point we oh, still goodness. want to continue that i know it's scary <laughs> isn't it i don't even want to think about it right now um but or anytime we're around children you know opportunities that you have through your church or school or whatever um don't discount that interaction time that's kind of my takeaway uh, right. today uh with those with those children regardless of the age um Nicole and Bobby, thanks for being with us.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Now, your questions from the water cooler. My name is Judy
3: Blastingame. I'm with the Pre-K division, and my question for Commissioner Jacobs is that you are such a busy lady, but you are always so stylishly dressed.
2: What are your go-to places for shopping for a great work outfit? Judy, love that question. I think that's the first time I've ever gotten one about it's that. And thank nice. you. Thank yeah. you. That's a that's a compliment. Um, you know, it just kind of depends. Um, TJ Maxx is a favorite, um, and Taylor Loft is a favorite. Um, that's really it. You know, sometimes I look online and get things through the mail. Oh, and I do like Land's Inn um, for dresses and such. So those are those are the three that I probably frequent the most, usually online.
1: <laughs> Ask for the Amy Jacobs right. Work-Life Balance Collection <laughs> at a store near you. I should start you. that. <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. you should. That's a nice question. Uh,
2: yeah, thank you, Judy.
1: And a big thanks to our sponsors of the Decal Download Quiz, thanks to Crystal College Football Hall of Fame, Quick Trip, Stone Mountain Park, and the School Box. Let's give you a chance of winning a really nice prize. All you have to do is answer this question correctly. We'll draw one name from all the correct answers. Here's the question we learned today about Project Little. In this case, what does Little stand for? We learned today about Project LITTLE. In this case, what does LITTLE stand for? Send your answer to decaldownload at decal.ga.gov. Thanks for playing and good luck.
0: Thanks for tuning in to DECAL Downloads. For more information, visit our website at decal.ga.gov. The conversation continues on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest. Follow Commissioner Jacobs on Twitter at @COMMJacobs. Jacobs.